And now the camera is a go. Well, wasn't that a weekend? Yes, it was. And now we're done. Stats are in. Shopping's over. Ish. They still kind of continue. How did you do? What did you buy? Could you have bought more? Did you buy too much? Some articles about brain matter. Language learning. Good. Exercising, exercising in pollution. Bad. <laughs> Workouts are done. And why is my timing always off with my runs? Folks, Monday, November uh, 13th, 2023. I'm Steven Sersky. Uh, Canadian expat living here in uh, Beijing, China. Lovely, now smoke-filled again. Beijing, China has the. Uh, it smelled like um, bonfire. So like they, almost like they were burning the crops, like the uh, the detritus that's left at the on the uh, the fields after harvest sort of thing. I wonder if that's what's going on. But we had a good couple days over the weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday were decent air weather days, whatever. Uh, and then today. You could sort of smell it. It wasn't bad for lunch. Like when I was outside for my lunchtime run today, uh, it wasn't bad. But then uh, towards the evening when I went out again, yeah, you could sort of uh, smell a bit of a fragrance in the air. And not the fragrance that you're like, hmm, that's something I want to live in. Uh, but the stats are in. So uh, with all of the uh, shopping that was going on, I, I, I regaled you with my uh, uh, shopping exploits last week. And sure enough, the, uh, the stats are in for uh, all of it. Actually, they don't really tell me. I have one article that um, sort of gives an indication of what they did. As of 12 a.m. November 11th, 402 brands surpassed 100 million Redmond B in GMV growth something vehicles. Uh, whatever that is, yeah. Um, it, while 38,000 brands achieved or 100% year-on-year growth in GMV. Direct discount venues offering 15% re uh, price reduction, recorded 210 million, blah, blah, blah. I'll put the link to this article. You can go ahead and uh, read through it. Apparently, uh, it was mostly, what would you call it? Not nationalist, uh, local brands that did the, the, the best rather than foreign brands uh, that can sometimes do well. So some people on the Twitter were uh, speculating that, well, that is an indication of the Chinese economy. If they're spending more on cheaper local products rather than uh, more expensive foreign products, it means that the economy isn't doing so well. People don't have as much money and they're not willing to spend the uh, money on the big ticket items. Now, of course, if the Global Times were to uh, sort of uh, publish this article or if someone needed an article for the Global Times, you could say, well, actually, Chinese consumers prefer to go national, prefer to go local instead of foreign, supporting local domestic manufacturers and producers rather than sending their money overseas. Isn't that how you swing it? That's, well, why not? They probably will. <laughs> we'll see what the Global Times says about it on Tuesday's uh, uh, issue edition. Not that I pick it up, but the truth. Uh, but uh, anyway, I did uh, did buy a few things, more storage units, because uh, I was looking around. Uh, so what I've actually, I'm happy with what I bought. Uh, I don't think I really needed to buy any, uh, any more. Um, in the newsletter that uh, I just sent out, uh, I was sort of speculating about or sort of discussing about how I would, I'm looking to build sort of a studio environment, one that's modular, uh, so that can accommodate both creative music and audio output and more 
can I say business type of podcast recording and stuff like that. And there's a difference in the, the use of space and the hardware involved. So for podcasting, it's more about microphones and, and then the post-production work where it's like, and that's just like a computer, uh, maybe one screen if you, an extra screen if you need. But for the creative aspect, I mean, I, I got this, these keyboards, these MIDI controllers and stuff like that. You could argue, do you even need that? Well, to fight back, to counter that, the reason I did in, uh, get into those things is because the last couple of years, if you look back at my last few December uh, drummings um, and the last few Januaries, I have been using what I have. Okay, I've been using just the, the, the keyboards, uh, like literally the computer keyboard, um, the iPad I used. Uh, actually, I didn't get the iPad until mid-year, I guess, but uh, a lot of the software-based stuff. So this year would be a first move into hardware-based uh, music production. So that And that's something I, I talk about that I'm going to be trying to do uh, this year, uh, coming up for December and January. So... I mean, had I bought the microphones for the podcast, I was debating this and I was kind of going, you know, I could probably still get them anyway because it's not like microphones go out of date. Matter of fact, with microphones, uh, especially like the proper ones that sort of stand there, uh, I'm not sure about these lapel microphones, whether or not they'd be as long lasting, but the standalone microphones that you plug into a mixer, those over time, if you keep them in good condition to like throw, throw them around or get sanded and stuff like that into them, they actually have, I wouldn't say develop, they have their own unique sound quality to them. And that sound quality can become vintage over time. And by vintage, I mean, there it can be a sound that people look for. We've had an explosion of microphones uh, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, but last 10, 15, especially, where there's just so many to choose from. What will be the defining sound of this generation? I'm going to argue that's going to be the Shure SM7B. That's the one that Joe Rogan uses. And that's the one that a lot of podcasters use. There are other microphones out there, like the Blue Yeti USB microphone. That might be for uh, the like YouTube videos and stuff like that. But uh, by all means, the one for podcasting with that deep sort of um, husky voice, if you will, that's going to be the SM7B. That's going to be the, the symbol of this generation's uh, voice work. Uh, I did not get one. <laughs> They're 2000 quiet piece. And I was like, Hey, I don't know. And the reason I didn't get one is because, or any other microphones is because looking at how many times I have an in-studio recording and how many times I do zoom recordings, this is where I really have to go. Well, how often would I be using it? And where would I put it in the meantime? Now you'd also say, Steve, you could, if you're serious about this podcasting stuff, why don't you, why don't you, do a few more and you're right good gotcha awesome talk about timing and I talk about post-production if I got that stuff it might make my life easier it also might not uh, there would be a little, little bit of a learning curve but uh, also if I'm recording a podcast I'm not editing a podcast you could even argue you know if I set up uh, a podcast one per week I'm not even going to go down that route you know I tried at the beginning of the podcasting career or whatever you want to call it, I tried to do that and it just was too much trouble to get in touch with people, confirm a date, add time, and blah, blah, blah. It just, it became unfun, no fun. So that's why actually I don't stay consistent with the big podcast 
and I stay more consistent with this one because this one is just me, this daily audio, audio blog. But the big podcast requires a little bit more arrangement and stuff like that. And that's why I'm not so fussed about having, you know, uh, months go by. I, I don't like having months go by, but like a month, uh, six weeks in between podcast recordings, it's because trying to get people to, to agree to a time, different time zones and stuff like that. Um, and if you've listened into the big podcast, it's not just people in Beijing, it's people around the world. So it's um, it's a bit more of a challenge, <laughs> a logistical challenge than to have my own studio with a name attached to it that I can say, yeah, just be here at this time and we'll uh, record it that way, blah, 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 right? And especially if, uh, if I'm doing the post-production uh, and I've set a target for 100 episodes uh, of me doing a my own post-production for this podcast. That's another, what, 58 more episodes I have to do. We'll see if we make it. And I guess the faster I get those done, so if I did two, I could do the numbers. But if I did two a month, if I th did three a month, I could have it done within a year, which is true and would require a lot more sort of discipline on my part to uh, post-produce stuff. Because going forward into December, January, uh, with these other creative projects that I got going on, it's it might not be um is it always possible plus full-time work let's not forget that so full-time work plus the creative projects plus podcasting for hours on end it's a lot i have set myself a goal of 15 minutes per day with this new novation mark three board that i got that's the uh, uh beat maker that i basically got plug and play into logic pro i can use all the loops and the samples and stuff like that so i've been playing around with that um if I get around to it, I will publish one of the uh, the tracks after this episode. Uh, you can have a listen. It's going to be very rough. I'm still learning. Actually, of all things, I'm learning the elements of loops. This is something I didn't think I actually had to learn. But like bass drum, synths, uh, bass, snare, toppers, uh, vocals, of course. But then all these different elements where... It's great to go flick through them in the in the loop selection, but how do you actually layer them and how do you put them all together? And not only that, you have 64 squares to play with, or was it six, uh, 70, 80 squares to play with? How do you arrange them? And then how do you know which ones to press, right? So this is this has actually been a, uh, a bit of a challenge for me. So uh, this is something I'm going to be learning going forward. It does, this beat maker doesn't just have to, this, this tap whatever you want to call it. this launch pad um is a controller uh it doesn't have to be just edm stuff that's the stuff that i'm working on you can use this for anything like it's uh, the whole idea of the loops uh, the live loops is that you can try out different uh, um, tracks and stuff like that rather than doing it in a linear fashion which is what we're typically used to you can use it in segment by segment uh, and that they will just loop together so it's something to try out <sighs> new little challenge for me i guess and uh, should keep me uh well entertained and distracted from whatever else i'm trying to be distracted from uh anyway some articles about brain matter i thought these were good uh and a little bit worrying so <laughs> language learning is good actually if you're bilingual this article is not about learning a language although most language learning articles talk about research do show an increase in like brain activity and uh, more gray matter helps offset um, or delay dementia, which Bruce Willis has dementia now. Shit, man, that's not good. That guy, I mean, yippee, yippee ki motherfucker, right? Uh, it's 
done. He, wow, how age and life takes it from you. Ah, brutal. All the more reason to be productive today. Um, learn the language, more gray matter, great. Apparently, you have more gray matter in the executive brain function area. So that's all like your uh, uh, empathy. It's uh, uh, short-term memory. Sorry, require attention, inhibition, and short-term memory. All of these are collectively termed uh, collective or ex executive control. Um, this is reputed to be a bilingual advantage. This is bilingual, bilingual, not learning a language. It's a little bit different. However, since we are living in the wonderful city of Beijing, other research shows that if you pursue vigorous exercise in polluted environments, it affects your gray matter. <laughs> so you're fucked. Basically, in order to counteract and to remain at a net zero uh, brain matter, gray matter here in Beijing, China, you have to learn Chinese and you have to work out outside. Because, or you still have to learn Chinese because adding to the gray matter in your brain, uh, and if you go walking or anything like that, I mean, that's physical activity. You go jogging, uh, I mean, in the pollution, you're actually destroying your gray matter. That's how I understood that. The, uh, the author, Melissa Furlong, um, out of University of Arizona, she does go on to say that overall, it's not to say that people should avoid exercise. <laughs> overall, the air pollution... Uh, the effect of it on brain health was modest, roughly equivalent to the effect of one year of aging, while the effects of vigorous activity on brain health in general uh, were e equivalent to being three years younger in general. So overall, they do kind of conclude that they, they, kind of, they still encourage people to be active. It's just that uh, if you're exercising in polluted areas, your brain's shrinking. Uh, so what do you do from that? I mean, do you what's the takeaway? Do you, do you not study Chinese um, or do you study Chinese to increase your gray matter, but you avoid jogging and any exercise uh, because it'll decrease your brain matter in the polluted environment? <sighs> Don't know. Workouts are in. Lunchtime run 6.55 kilometers in 37 minutes. Sounds very fast. WTF. Also added a 10 kilogram steel club workout. I actually bought two new steel clubs. I got uh, five, two five kilos uh, so I can do some dual steel club work. Uh, when the uh, the time calls for it. And then after work, I did a series of kettlebell lifts uh, using the 14s, 15s, and then, yeah, that's about, yeah, I think. So I just, con there's about eight um, exercises I did total. I use this app called Kettlebell Wizard. And this one's great because it just kind of, it has beginning, intermediate, and advanced. And the only difference really that I can tell between them is the the number of reps that you're doing. So beginner is kind of light, intermediate. You have more complicated exercises and but high, and also higher repetitions. And then advanced might actually be only one or two or three, or sorry, only two or three exercises, but they'll have higher repetitions. Not entirely sure why they divided it that way, but that's how it does. It's great when you don't want to uh, think about what sort of exercise you want or need to do um, and just kind of open up the app and uh, get it going. Pick up your weights and start swinging. Actually, there was no swings. There was only lifts today. That's what I was trying to do. I was also thinking about these, because uh, I was talking about the, the five-day uh, workout week that I was kind of debating whether or not I should do. Should I go back down? Should I go down to uh, once per week? 
So there are a few things to keep in mind. Uh, sorry, once per Monday, Wednesday, Friday, not once per week. Um, a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, although I'm in my 40s now, uh, people say that, okay, so in addition to the gray matter <laughs> disappearing in my brain, uh, muscle mass starts to disappearing. It's about various amounts of 3% per whatever it is per year. And, you know, and you don't have to eat as much and yet drinking is bad for you and the effects of alcohol over your lifetime are just going to kill you anyway. So, uh, learn Chinese, don't go jogging, don't drink and lift weights. There's your takeaway from today's episode. 15% better. This podcast makes you 15% better. The idea being, you know, with the whole sort of digress there, uh, lifting weights is that uh, I do keep up my muscle mass. Um, I know that uh, it is sort of uh, reported that, you know, as you get older, your, your muscles deteriorate. And I kind of wonder, um, I haven't looked at these studies. This is a common knowledge, right? And I wonder, the people who do cite these studies, I would look at, this, this, is, this is getting nitty, nit, nitpicky. Look at the people who were studied. Were they parents? Uh, what sort of life, where did they live? Uh, what sort of life did they lead? And and the reason why, and I know they have control groups and they have uh, experiment groups. I understand that. I get you. So I, I assume that they've sort of thought of all these things. However, keep in mind, they're small sample sizes uh, often. But the other thing is that, like, if you're living in Beijing, it's going to be different than living in New York, than living in, like, Ulaanbaatar, or than living in, uh, I don't know, Osaka, or, like, small town Canada, Saskatoon right? It, it, all of these very different places. So your exercise is going to be different. Your motivation to work out, uh, your social acceptance of working out and stuff like that might also affect it. Your drinking. Um, I don't know. It's it's WTF. How do you navigate life? And then you end up with dementia anyway, because that's what happened to Bruce Willis. Oh, damn it. That's terrible. Sorry to hear that. And why is my uh, running, my timing off for my running? So it was actually, uh, I sent my screenshots to now, this one lady who does a lot of marathoning and stuff like that. And she took a look. She's like, well, look at your canon, your cadence. So, and she's like, that, that's, there's a huge variance there. I'm like, the, the fuck is a cadence? I didn't even look at this. And what I was looking at actually is that, I've mentioned this before with the Xiaomi band, it doesn't seem to count the laps properly, right? So it moves the kilometer uh, demarcation point. Uh, I've mentioned this before, that it doesn't seem to always do the same. A, a lap is not always a lap right? A kilometer is not always a lap, which typically it should be uh, in in the uh, the compound. So WTF is going on. She's like, well, your cadence might be uh, having to do have, have to do something with it. And sure enough, compared to Sunday's run and today's run, on Sunday's run, I took like 9,000 steps. But on today's run, I took like 6,000 steps. So WTF, why? what's the difference? And the cadence being a lot greater on Sunday than it was Monday. Why? Cadence is the measure of how often your foot strikes the ground per minute. Yeah, if you want to count this, you run for a minute, you set a timer, 60 second countdown, don't count up, count down, uh, get your, your, your uh, stopwatch going, and run as you normally do. Count every time your right or left foot strikes the ground. Don't, don't pick which one, stick with one. So if you're going to count the right foot, just count the right foot then. And at the end of the minute, you double it up to get both feet on the ground. So typically people have a, a cadence of like 180, which means that their right foot will strike the ground 90 times in one minute. 
this makes, and apparently if you have a higher cadence, this is good because it's gentler on your bones. It's gentler on your, your uh, body. It uh, means you can also go faster, uh, given the that you are in contact with the ground and moving forward. So the, it's kind of weird. You know, the counter argument is, like, well, why don't you pick your legs up and run faster and have less cadence so you get the kilometer done faster? But that induces more damage to the body. So on Sundays, typically what I've, well, what I've started doing is doing these, like I call them like trotting, because basically I'm shuffling my uh, my feet along the ground and what's that what that's doing is increasing my foot contact time with the ground so as a result what i think is happening with the xiaomi band it's not counting the gps it's not going off of like the actual distance you've you've circumnavigated from point a to point a again like doing a full circle it's not doing that instead it's going off of a mathematical equation saying well if you are of this height that build uh, and you have a cadence of this, and you're going at that rate per hour, then you should, in theory, have completed it in uh, completed a kilometer in this time. I'm going, okay, but that's not what I want. <laughs> I want pure play. How many steps per lap am I taking? And how many laps do I do? Or how how many laps is a kilometer or a mile? Right? That, that's, that's sort of what I was thinking of having it done. Uh, having to be done because I don't want this to be varying. I don't want the kilometer demarcation point to be changing all the time. That, that, that doesn't make sense to me. But the, the idea being on Monday, today, I my cadence was lower because I was running faster. And as a result, my feet were on the ground as much. And this is one of the reasons for this is because I vary my running technique, especially on Mondays. Uh, sometimes I'll run with the midfoot. Sometimes I'll re run with the heel uh, strike first. And uh, now it will change depending on what lap I'm on. Uh, also, how I'm sort of how tired I am, maybe if I'm feeling exhausted, uh, and also on what part of the lap I'm on. So usually it's only on straightaways that I'll go with heel first, and then going around uh, hills and stuff like that, or any up and down, I'll switch to the midfoot as uh, sort of a bit of a technique uh, to uh, make it easier uh, to. Uh, move throughout the course, basically. So something to look uh, look at. I have an article as well posted on the, uh, the show notes for this episode. Uh, what is cadence in running and how to improve it? Folks, I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks are up and built up on my website, stevensersky.com. Newsletter is out on Substack, stevensersky.substack.com. You can sign up. It's free. And I send it out hopefully every week. And it's a little bit of an extension of the audio blog, my sexy and scintillating voice that you guys all love to hear every day. Thanks again. We'll talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.